Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the great Colombian writer, said that everyone has three lives, a public life, a private life, and a secret life. Do you know the same is true of infrastructure? No. So that's what today's show is about, the secret life of infrastructure? Yep, the secret life of infrastructure. Because today, on a dictionary of finance, we're talking about the thing that connects the public life of infrastructure to the private life of infrastructure. The public and the private. So what connects them? Partnership. In the last decade or two, public-private partnerships... Oh, you think this is a stretch? No, come on. Uh, Public-private partnerships have been set up to build hospitals, roads, all kinds of other things that we used to think were built and operated by the government. These are the things that people call the PPPs. That's them. It's a very important thing for people to know about because it's quite likely that local politicians or regional politicians might be involved in these. You might hear them talking about PPPs. And you, as a citizen, should know what's being done with your infrastructure. Joining us to explain the secret life of infrastructure is Stuart Broom. Stuart works at a part of the European Investment Bank that's called EPIC. Not like a biblical EPIC, you know, like with, with uh, what were the ones in the 1950s, you know, the Ten Commandments. Oh, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. That was, a, that was probably some infrastructure there. You know, how did he get across the Red Sea? It was probably a, a great PPP. Metaphor. Probably a PPP. <clears throat> uh, EPIC actually stands for the European PPP Expertise Center, which is a little bit of a trick there because it should be the EPIPEC. But anyway. But, uh, but Stuart also does have experience both from um, public and private sphere. He's started his career at, uh, at a Burger King where one of his first jobs was he was made to wear, uh, be the mascot of Burger King, which evidently back then was a robot. But never mind. And uh, if that doesn't spur you on to better things, then nothing else can. Yes, so welcome, what, Stuart, to what, the show. What does the robot do? He, he shakes the children's hands and gives out party bags. I wonder how you get a robot from burgers. I mean, why weren't you walking around dressed as a burger? Oh, someone would have bitten you, wouldn't well, they? I in think the so. Street. These are yeah, small okay. children. That's all right. All right, so let's get uh, to, the, to the public part and uh, the PPPs. Uh, Stuart, can you give us a definition? What is a PPP? Well, we have all the, uh, the various academic definitions and things, and, and you know, sometimes there's not a, a, a single agreement. But the, the idea is that you deliver infrastructure through the, public, uh, through the private sector, and the public sector only pays when the, the service is available and to the, available to the public. So it's a way of doing infrastructure in a, in a slightly different way in that the public doesn't um, design the asset. It says, I want a hospital with 200 beds. I want a school which is fit for 700 students. Um, and they say, private sector, I want that. And I want that on a long-term basis. So 25, 30 years so it's, it's trying to get a, a partnership over a long period of time. You're trying to look after what you would call the life cycle of the, of the asset, so looking after when, the school over its time. When you say asset, you mean like a school or a road or a hospital or something like that, yes? Exactly. Okay. But so why wouldn't, why wouldn't the public sector just build it themselves, hire a bunch of um, building companies and, and construct it like, like they do a lot of other things? 
as fair, and I think what I, what I try and do is um, when we do we do presentations around Europe on on PPPs and how we can how we can help. I sort of try and say hold hold a mirror up to how you're currently doing your public infrastructure because if you're currently delivering your hospitals and schools on time, on budget, and that you maintain them to the to the highest the highest standard that they that they should be in a cost efficient manner, and you're able to innovate and bring best practice into everything that you do, then you might not need a public-private partnership. But usually when I give that type of presentation, there's a sort of weary look on the audience and they can all think of examples in their heads of stadiums that still haven't been built three years after the event was supposed to be finished, people who are sitting in half-empty schools in prefabricated buildings because they're still waiting for the school to be delivered. So so the the problem might be that the people in the public sector don't have the same kind of economic motivation than uh, people in the private sector would be to to build that thing on time and within budget, uh, and uh, and the private sector they obviously have the economic motivation to do so. That's that's the gist of it, right? Yeah, and I think probably like some of your other episodes, the the idea is transferring risk, and in in the case of PPPs, you're supposed to transfer risk to those best able to manage it. So in terms of life cycle costs and looking after buildings, the public sector sometimes isn't the best at doing that. So you transfer the risk to the private sector. So they only get paid if that school or hospital is being maintained to its proper standard, the contractual standard, the thing you you signed for. Mm -hmm. What it isn't is that when the public sector is a normal building and it's falling apart in 10 or 15 years' time, you can't go back to the builder and complain about it. You have to find the money from public funds. Sometimes that's available, sometimes it isn't. With a PPP, that is contractually committed to, and the standard is committed to. They're contractually obligated uh, to run it in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And who is deciding? Is there a, a third party, or is it the public? So um, one, one of the issues with, that we have with PPPs is people think the private, the private sector is going to do everything, and that at the point that the contract is signed, the public sector can just sit back and enjoy the, the hospital. That isn't the, the case. You, know, you need to actually monitor what the private sector is doing. So that is one of the things that Epic tries and uh, teaches people to do, is make sure that after financial close, not everybody just doesn't just disappear. You know, we've got the money now, there's a contract signed, that's it. Whew, thank, you know, it's a, a tedious process, now it's over. So we try and teach people you need to have capacity in the public sector to monitor the contract. So if it's not available, if a classroom has a hole in its roof, then you need to say to the private sector, that isn't what we contractually agreed upon. I'm supposed to be paying you X this month. Actually, for me, you're not meeting your contractual obligations. I'm going to make a deduction. And that deduction is set out in the contract and the reasons for it. But can you take that deduction and then go and do the work yourself? You know, if there's a hole in the roof. Mm-hmm. No, the they're, obli- they're are- obliged to do it. So they, they will pay to fit. They, they, out of their own funds, have to pay and fix it. You don't have to pay them for that month that it wasn't available. And they have to fix it yeah. at their own cost. It seems like some of the criticism of using PPPs uh, has been that it, uh, it sort of it hides the obligations that the public takes from the from the from the budget. I'm receiving the service over 25, 30 years in so of the school. So actually, I only want to pay for it at the point at which it's available. So unlike uh, when I build a school now, I'm building a school. I'll pay for that school. In a PPP, I'm paying for the service. So that's why. It makes sense to spread the payments over the 25, 30 years. 
And in a sense, it also it, it actually gives the public a better overview of the whole life cycle cost of the project, which you know if 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 i was just if i just built the school now the the public might think you know building the school costs x million and you know that that's a great deal but i won't be telling the public but uh, that over the course of the 25 30 years that we're all using this building there will be additional costs related to maintenance and whatnot yeah so the, the the clarity over how much it costs to maintain a road a hospital, because you can see it in the bids that come in from the private sector, you have what would be a certain amount of cost certainty over 25, 30 years. You can see how much it's going to cost. And again, holding that mirror up to the, the public sector, the easy thing is to build schools and hospitals, but maintenance is boring. You know, it's, it's one of those things that when governments do budgeting, you know, I used to work in the Treasury, and, you know, maintenance is always one of those less sexy things than, you know, politicians want to cut ribbons on trams and things like that, but the maintenance of them and the operating them, it's a bit boring. Yeah, difficult to cut ribbons on maintenance, I think. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's why actually building refurbishments, which you can do as a PPP as well, aren't that exciting you know i've refurbished a building but actually you know doing that and maintaining it properly making it work for its full asset life getting the most out of it is the most economically efficient way of of using infrastructure nonetheless you know you get you get that sort of transparency of 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 cost over 25 30 years you might not get however you are taking away some of the flexibility to say actually i haven't got much money this year i don't want to do that maintenance and some governments like that flexibility to do that so you know pp comes with a certain amount of constraint on not allowing but um governments to say actually let's not bother fixing school roofs this year it seems like a lot of the the overall perception of PPPs or the problems that the public sees with it are related to the fact that they they perceive the private sector as taking advantage of public funds of you know somebody benefiting from building of schools or or the uh, building of roads and maintaining those. Well, I think you you always get into an issue with with public sector reform in, in, in many countries to do with what is the role of the private sector and the right of pri- the private sector to earn a return. And so you know, you'll, there's all be, always be an element in, in, in politics which says the private sector is, is dark, evil, and trying to make money out of you, the taxpayers. And that's very, very difficult to get over, and PPPs get bound up in that as much as things like privatisation does. You know, in terms of what PPPs uh, are doing, they are performing a service for the public sector. Yes, the private sector will take a return, but it's, bet- it's incentivised to minimise the, you know, the cost to the public sector to perform as long as they meet the contractual standard. And that is you're paying money for what should be a better service. It sounds like one of the the potential benefits of this, if you're a, a politician or a local government, would be you don't have to come up with all the money up front. And you can see that you can see the risk in that absolutely that there's a there's a, then a tendency to over create infrastructure that isn't isn't needed or you, you simply can't afford. And what we try and do uh, in EPEC is try and explain to people the difference between the, the upfront finance and the funding. You know, this stuff still needs to be paid back. It's still, just because it's spread out over 25, 30 years, it doesn't make it any more or less affordable. You know, in, in terms of your, in your mortgage on, on your house, you know, it, it, just because it's gone away for, a, you know, for over 25, 30 years, you still need to work out whether you can pay it back. And that's what sometimes the temptation of, uh, of governments is, is that this 
off-balance sheet illusion in a way that, fine, that upfront money has gone away now, but I still need the funds to pay it back. You know, taxpayers still need to find the funds, not gone away. But I imagine the, the main issue is going to be, you know, how well is the contract set up with the private uh, partner in that sense? You know, if, if that if that uh, roof of the of the school building is is leaking you know how how well is uh, the government uh, equipped to uh, to reduce payments or or to force the the partner to fix that roof I mean, we find different situations across Europe, and part of it depends on on the experience of of the countries, how how many PPPs they have done in the past, how large the country is, whether it's little local authorities doing uh, doing these projects. So, you know, it is part of the the work we do with EPEC is is being clear, you know, what performance you expect out of these projects, who is going to be monitoring them, because we found some places where they. They have like an invoice department that just the bill comes in from the private sector, it's stamped, it's paid, and and that's it. And that's really not what we're supposed to do here. And, you know, a number of well countries have done these things called operational reviews where they go around and say, you know, is this contract being enforced as you, you said it was going to be? So you go into a school and you say, well, you said you wanted this school dusted, cleaned, you know, once a week. The cupboard up there, I came a month ago and my name is still scrawled in the dust you know, clearly somebody is not doing this and you should be enforcing the contract. It's not, it, it's, it's the private sector's fault in that sense, but it's also the public sector's fault. You, you, you said you wanted something, you wanted the, the cupboard cleaned, and you're not enforcing it, so you're paying for nothing. You're not even receiving the service. One, one of the things that you mentioned in your notes, we're talking a lot about schools here and hospitals and so on, is that 60% of, of these are actually in transport. Mm-hmm. How does that work? You mean a road or... Yeah. What? How, do, how does that work? How do you have a PPP about a road? So there's two different types, really. One, one which is becoming slightly less common, but people will be more familiar with in terms of the concept of a PPP, which is a toll road. So for those who travel particularly in, in southern Europe, you go up to the booth, you, you pay your money, and you go onto a road that is effectively run by the private sector. They're responsible for its maintenance, and their profit comes from you putting your money in the in the in the dish or nowadays a bit more of a credit card Mm -hmm. um and whether they make a profit or a loss depends on how many people are are using that road and that's called transferring demand risk so the private sector if nobody is traveling on that road they don't make any money if loads of people are traveling on that road they they have a great time no problem what we found in in some countries is that they got the traffic demand wrong Particularly, particularly in recent years when, with economic crisis and things like that, there's less people travelling on the, that particular road. The private sector got it wrong and didn't realise that there was not going to be as many people going on the road. So that is the. So what happened then? So some of those, some of so those, those, so those companies have gone yeah, so bankrupt, the, and some of those have had to be renegotiated. And and, and nowadays, but the road is still there. So I mean, that's great, right? Or it could, you know, or some of them could be half finished. You know, oh, the, the, okay. that could also happen. But yeah, the, the ones that are there, the, there's a road there. But yes, the, whoever is going to operate it, that needs to be renegotiated and given back to another company, or the public sector will take it uh, back in back into its own into its own books. Yeah. But if you're not if you're not sure, you know what traffic is going to be on the road. Then the government can pay, so you don't have toll roads. Any, you know, so in Germany they have road schemes which are done on availability base. So you as a, a cus- is, sorry availability base. So the um, the private sector is only paid if the road is available. A bit like the school the schoolroom, like uh-huh. the hospital. 
does the road still run from A to B? Is it still in a is it still in a good condition? There's no holes in it. The lines are clear. The litter litter has been taken off the and the bridges are all in good condition. So in that good- case, I as the public sector government will pay but you as a customer driving along that road you won't yeah. see that so you, there's, there's no stopping point there's no toll toll plaza there's no money to put and in this the is the way things are going now with most of these roads rather yeah than so the generally toll these toll road schemes are much less bankable than they were before you very rarely see them uh, in the market now most of these because, types of schemes will be availability uh, is that because they they're having difficult time assessing how many people will drive on those or why are they less bankable so they have a recent bad track record, so banks are much more unwilling to, to do them, and they, they are scrutinising traffic forecasts much, much more mm-hmm. um, in terms of you know what your projections are. So they will take much more conservative estimates, and therefore that amount of money coming in, is that enough to pay the debt back on the, on the project? Uh, Stuart, can you, uh, just to finish off, uh, can you tell us which sectors... Uh, have been more successful in PPPs? I mean, I understand most of those PPP projects are roads. Uh, Is that because these are somehow best suited for PPP structures? What's the track record in in hospitals, prisons, uh, schools? Is Is there some type of infrastructure that doesn't work very well? Um. Well, you also have to define successful. So, for example, if you were being very selfish and talking from the bank, in, in finance terms, PPPs work, work pretty well. They have a very low default rate. They, they work very, very well from that point of view. For the consumer, um, you would probably say that the toll roads, for example, have not been recently very successful because a number of them have gone bankrupt and had poor, um, poor services. Um, Availability-based roads work work very well. You know, as you say, the customer doesn't really notice that they travel. They just travel on a really nice, well-maintained road. They don't pay into a toll plaza. Government pays. They're well understood as projects, so they're very easy for the for the bank to, or relatively easy for the bank to to analyze. For banks in general to analyze, they've got a good track record across Europe. The projects tend to be quite similar. So. Things that are more unusual become become more difficult. Um, accommodation is relatively easy. IT is usually more difficult because what you're trying to do is sign a contract for 20 to 25 years. So if we imagine 20, 25 years ago what an IT contract would look like for the provisions of the EIB mm. uh, versus what we have today, it would be very, very different. So certainly when I was in the UK, we used to discourage IT projects on their own. Um, accommodation, you mean social housing projects? Accommodation is a general catch-all for things like office buildings, schools, uh, court buildings. There's so much more infrastructure than I thought. It is the secret life of infrastructure. They do indeed have a secret life, and there appear to be probably more PPP projects around than we can imagine. Well, you can contact us on Twitter and tell us about a PPP that you came across and that perhaps you didn't even know was a PPP before. Yes. Oh, there uh, we go. That's some social engagement for you. Uh, because I am at EIBMATT, M-A-T-T, E-I-B-M-A-T-T, uh, on Twitter, and Alar. And I'm at Alar Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. You have to, you have to go back and, and listen oh. to the podcast in slow motion to write that down. But meanwhile, do subscribe to our podcast and uh, tune in next week for our next episode.